Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit destinydayton.com. to dive into the Word of God today. Uh, I've just been struck uh, afresh by Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we've been, as you know, we've been doing the book of Hebrews this year at Destiny. I've been preaching our way through it. And I uh, got to uh, chapter 11, and I'm just realizing again how awesome Hebrews 11. Hebrews is just an awesome book anyway. But to hit chapter 11 again, I feel like I've just been wrecked. I, there's times I'm sitting there on my computer and I just have to stop and just I just weep. I, I just think, man, God is just so amazing. I, literally, uh, it just 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 what what's been revealed to us in the Word of God. So some of you have already stood. Thank you for standing. I'd like to invite everyone to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. It's not a matter of habit or tradition. It's just a matter of honoring what's honorable. And the Lord is honorable, and he's worthy of our honor and worthy of our praise. If he was worth singing to and lifting our hands to a minute ago, he's worth standing when we read his word. Amen? Hebrews eleven twenty three. We're also going to read from Exodus in just a second, so hang on. Because as you're going through Hebrews, it's always a good idea to have your finger in the Old Testament as well, because you realize how much New Testament believers and writers valued and believed strongly the Old Testament. If anyone doesn't, uh, if anyone ever tells you the Old Testament is not for today, uh, run, right? I need that little song behind me. Run. <laughs> right? Uh, you, you run. <laughs> Sorry, if you don't know what that was, never mind. That's okay. I just had a glitch in the matrix in my brain. Uh, so run. Uh, so what you if someone tells you the Old Testament is not for today, you run. You run. Because the old, uh, Paul, I, I could go down the line. All the New Testament writers frequently said the whole Old Testament spoke of Jesus. And you, so you're going to look in your concordance. I don't see the name of Jesus in the Old Testament because he's not there. His name isn't. But the whole theme of the Old Testament, the whole overarching theme is there is a redeemer coming who's going to die and rise again and pay for the, 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 the sum total of our sin and make us new and redeem us. And so, remember, the Old Testament was the Bible of the New Testament. The book of Acts, we say, wow, that was a powerful church. We, they didn't have the New Testament. You know that, right? They only had the Old Testament. And they had a whole lot of Holy Ghost, too, right? So that, that, that always helps a lot. Here we go. Hebrews eleven twenty three. My wife is saying, Eric, Please, get to it. No, here we go. But she's not. She's saying, keep going. Oh, keep going. Okay. <laughs> Verse 23, by faith, when Moses was born, his parents hid him for three months because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Everyone say, not afraid. Maybe I can bring that screen up. This, ah, there we go. Not afraid. By faith, when he grew up, notice what every... Just about every verse begins with here. By faith, when he grew up, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be ill-treated with the people of God than to enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. And I, 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 that, that always grabs me. He, he could have had the easy path, right? But he rejected that. How many people have you known that have chosen the hard path just because it was God's way? Right? That, that's getting sad to say. I mean, I know a lot of you have, but that's getting harder to find. Verse 26, he regarded abuse suffered for Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for his eyes were fixed 
on the reward. Have you ever seen the treasures of Egypt? Anybody happen to go to the Dayton Art Museum when the tr uh, the treasure of King Tut came through Dayton a few years ago? Uh, ooh, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> pretty impressive. Yes, there's a lot of treasure in Egypt. Let me tell you. And this is what the the Hebrews writer here said. He regarded being abused for Christ, suffering for Christ, was greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. For his eyes were fixed on the reward. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt without fearing the king's anger. For he preserved as though he could see the one who is invisible. He persevered. Sorry. He perse I need my reading glasses. He persevered as though he could see the one who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the one who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they crossed the Red Sea as if on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried it, they were swallowed up. I want you to turn with me here to Exodus, if you would, Exodus chapter 1. I just feel like uh, we, we got to get the background here because they're referring, he's referring to events that happened. Let's go to Exodus 1 15, all right? Right, this is the original series called The Midwife. This is it right here. This is where. This is where it really happened, okay? <laughs> Some of you look like I'm serious. I'm joking, but it's right. You just pay attention here. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of you whom was named one of whom was named Shipra and the other Puah. Aren't you thankful for your name? Amen. Every time I read through the Bible, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm just Eric. You know that that's a good thing. <laughs> Could you imagine? Come here, Puah. Please. <laughs> All right, enough. When you assist the Hebrew women in childbirth, observe at the delivery. If it is a son, kill him. If is it a, if is it, but if it is a daughter, she may live. But the midwives, here we go. But the midwives feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the, summons, summoned the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the boys live? Obviously, he looks around. He suddenly notices there's a lot of little boys running around here that are Hebrew. That shouldn't have been happening. I had two people on this job. But what he didn't realize, the two women on the job feared God more than they feared the king. Hello, church. Mm. I'm always amazed that people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer Back during World War II, everyone knows him to be a great theologian, author, man of God, right? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, how many have heard his name? At one point, he thought the most spiritual thing that Jesus was calling him to do was to assassinate Hitler. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. I could give you other stories like that, but let's go on. So he summoned the midwives and said to them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for the Hebrew women are vigorous. They give birth before the midwife gets to them. Now, <laughs> the question arises, was this really true? Mm. Well, let me just say this. There was enough enough truth in, truth in it. <laughs> there was enough truth in it to make it somewhat plausible because he lets them go, right? So God treated the midwives well. And the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, 
See that again? Because the midwives feared God, he made households for them. And then the Pharaoh commanded all his people, all sons that are born to you, you must throw them into the river, but your daughters you may let live. So he tried to ratchet it up a little bit. We're just going to make parents do it. We didn't want to make the parents do it. Now we're going to make the parents. If you have a son, you've got to throw him in the Nile River. If if you've ever seen the Nile River, it's a very large river. Uh, Crocodiles, yes, that's a thing. Uh, Throw them in the river. So here's what happened. If you turn over one page or scroll down one little bit, you see Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. A man from the household of Levi married a woman who was a descendant of Levi. And the woman, we're talking about Moses' parents here, right? And the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was healthy, a healthy child, she hid him for three months. But when she was no longer able to hide him, she took a papyrus basket for him and sealed it with, uh, with some pitch and some other material there. And she put it, uh, the child in it and set it among the reeds along the edge of the Nile. And her sister stationed herself at the distance to find out what would happen to him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself by the Nile while her attendants were walking alongside the river, and she saw the basket among the reeds, and then she sent one of her attendants, took it, opened it, and saw the child, a boy, crying, and she felt compassion for him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get a nursing woman for you from among the Hebrews so that she may nurse the child for you? And the Pharaoh's daughter said, brilliant, that's a great idea. So the young girl, that's just in a... Yeah, that's just my little thing. So the young girl went and got the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And his name was called Moses, verse 10, because I drew him out of the water. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. I pray, God, that you would just increase our faith today. Jesus, your word said, without faith, it's impossible to please you. God, I pray you'd increase our faith. Ask the Lord that right now before we even start. Lord, increase my faith in you today. Increase my faith. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. There was a missionary in the Middle East in a country where it's illegal to be a Christian. And he was driving. He had a little blue car and he was driving, crossing borders and and, and trying to blend in the best he could. But he was he was concerned that he would be caught because his trunk was filled with Bibles in the language of the country where he was headed. He would pass border crossing he would pass guards, and they, for some reason, would never look in his trunk. And he, he was able to get all the way through. And he finally got to this country, and, and his car, he, he got to the center of this city in the country he was going to. It was about 2 in the morning, okay, and his car breaks down. So there he was in the center of the city, and his car broke down. And he was sitting there, oh, Lord, help me. Could you imagine you're in an unfriendly country? It's illegal to be a Christian. You're a missionary, and you got a trunk full of Bibles. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong with that, right? He sat there asking for the Lord's help, and suddenly a couple people came out of the darkness towards him. And then a couple more people, and he he got out of the car, and there was just several people standing around his car. And he said, can I help you? And they said, we just had a dream that there's going to be a little blue car here in the center of town, 
and you had a Bible for us. And we came for that Bible. So as he opened his trunk, more people. And over the next couple of hours, dozens of people came out of the darkness saying, we just had a dream that you have a Bible. There's going to be a little blue car in the center of town. And we hear stories like that. And I want to tell you that that, that gives me goosebumps. But I, I, that's just a, a, a mere taste of what God does when people of faith move, when we, when we decide we're going to believe God over believe circumstances, when we decide we're going to believe God over believing what our eyes see. And I want to encourage you today as we just take a, just a, not a deep look, but it's just about a 30 minute look. We're going to dive into the word here. And I want us to see where, where we could grow in faith and ask the Lord to increase us. Because you see from that story, and I I could tell, I could just I could just tell stories for the rest of the time here, but just like that. But I, I want you guys to see it in the Word because what I want is to happen is God to increase your faith because I have this feeling that many of us live well below the level we're intended to live. God wants us to be people that move mountains. That wasn't a joke. When Jesus talked about mountain-moving faith in the book of Mark, that, what, that wasn't just a nice little story to fire up the disciples and whoever would read the story afterwards. It was literal truth. If we believe from that place of intimacy, from that place of consecration, we can move mountains. Here's what I want you to see in our story here, our text, Hebrews eleven twenty-three 23 through 30. And we went back and read Exodus because I wanted you to see the basis for this. And I want you to see this uh, very important first point here, straight from verse 23. Faith means that fear of the Lord is greater than any other adherence you have. You see, by faith, they weren't afraid of the king. By faith, they didn't throw Moses in the river to the crocodiles. Why? Because they believed God. They were more afraid of God. The midwives were more afraid of God. They were more afraid of disobeying God and letting God down than they were the Pharaoh or, or, or the king, as they, he's referenced early on there in Exodus. They were more afraid of letting God down and not believing God than they were following through. Faith means we fear the Lord over fear of man. And I didn't say fear of man because I know that's a lot of people, we would just dismiss that. To, well, I'm not afraid of man. But, but reality is, you know, a lot of times I think some people really are. But I think if we can phrase it this way, I, I, my fear of God is going to be greater than any other adherence that I have, my, my citizenship right? Can, can we just talk plainly this morning? Uh, it's going to be greater than, than, than how I feel my uh, uh, local government or whatever. Uh, wh whatever it is, my fear of God has got to be greater than, than my boss, right? The people I work with, that my friends, uh, the people I want to impress or look good to. My fear of God must trump all of that. Now, please don't confuse the spirit of fear with the fear of the Lord. They're two totally opposite and vastly different things. Because somebody could take this and say, well, that's a spirit of fear. But no, 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 no. We're talking about the fear of the Lord, without which we can't go to heaven. <laughs> okay? Please understand, there's a big difference. And I love here, when we went back and looked at Exodus, the midwives 
are described twice as fearing the Lord more than the king of Egypt. And then if you'll notice in verse 21 of Exodus 1, the Lord made families for them. And I don't necessarily know exactly what that means. Maybe they were, they were not married. Maybe they had no family ties. But suddenly because they feared God, notice that God favored them and they got a family. Are you following me? I also want you to know that faith isn't really faith until we fear God more than any other person or any other thing. It's easy to say we have faith. It's easy to say we trust God. But yet if we cower and live in fear, then we need to check ourselves because that is not what faith does. Faith acts even though you may have fear. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Faith can be present with fear, but faith means I am acting, right? If it's the opposite of faith, it's not fear. It's a spiritual paralysis. This means I'm not doing anything. I'm afraid, so I'm not moving. I'm not going to, okay, that, that, that is, that's the fear. And that's the opposite of faith. Faith may have some fear. Faith may have some, some mm, qualms. Faith may even have a few doubts hiding in there. But at the end of the day, faith is going to act. Faith is going to move forward. Faith is going to say, no, you know, I fear God more than I fear that guy, that man, or that, that office. And I'm going to obey the Lord. Verse 23 says that Moses' parents hid him when he was born because they also did not fear the king's edict. See, I just wonder what it would take in America for you just to, for us as a church, right, just in general, for us to give up our faith in God, for us to stop acting in faith. What would it take? At what point do we draw the line and say, you know what, that, that's just too far? At what point? I know it, it always seems further down the road. Like 50 years ago, they'd look at today and say, wow, you've really capitulated in a lot of areas. And I just wonder, how far do we go before we stand and say, you know, we're, we can't do that. We're not going to be run. That's not going to happen. We're going to fear God more than we fear man. Just questions I ask myself. Maybe you ask yourself too. Jesus taught on the fear of God and how important it is to fear him in Matthew 10. Remember, in this passage in Matthew 10, speaking of the fear of God, Jesus spoke how valuable we are to God. He said, remember, it was the passage where he talked about, you know, if a sparrow falls, he sees it, and if he notices the sparrow, he notices you. He's got the hair on your head numbered, which is getting less every day for me, and it's the reality of life. But God has it numbered. And in that passage... Jesus said, therefore, don't fear the one who can kill your body. Rather, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And remember, in this passage, Jesus said that as you advance in faith in the kingdom of God, your enemies will be in your own household. See, don't let it surprise you when you try to serve God, when you try to do the right thing. The people that you may find enemies with are people with your last name. They may not live in your house, but they are related to you. You will also have friends that have walked with you, and they will see bold steps. They will see you doing things that they don't un We don't understand that. Of course you won't. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not going to be able to understand faith. Paul says that spiritual things are discerned by the Spirit of God, by a regenerated person. If you're not regenerated, the whole church thing is going to look like hooey to you. Tell them, what do they do that for? You give 10% of your money to church? How stupid is that? Of course they say that. Of course they don't know the Lord. They haven't encountered his love. 
We don't get angry at them. We pity them. We have compassion on them. And we love them into the kingdom of God. But do we just understand it, it, that we're going to get pushback. When you fear God to the level of what causes people to make Hebrews 11, right? If you want to make that list, if I want to make that list, please understand you are going to have faith acts in your life that is going to put off some religious folks in your life. And I say religious because oftentimes they go to church. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? A few people? A few people nodding but don't want to raise their hand? You know, don't worry, there's no cameras on the audience today. You're okay. <laughs> Only one camera here, and it's aimed up here, unfortunately. Sorry about that at home. Here I am. Yeah. Serving God with a level of faith required is going to put you at odds with the spiritual realm. It's also going to put you at odds with the natural realm. I, I love the author John Bevere. Maybe you heard his wife, Lisa Bevere. They travel, they speak, they write in like 50,000 books. He tells an amazing story. He went to Brazil a number of years ago to preach a conference. And he gets to the conference and he said, it's packed. It's like there's 4,000 people. And he said, he walked in, he's like, man, there's just no, it's like there's no presence of the Lord here. What, what is wrong? Is it, you know, this many believers together, right? It wasn't an evangelism conference. It wasn't trying to reach, right? This was for people who knew Jesus. And he said, as the service went on, he said, he realized the problem. He said, the worship band was on stage. They were doing phenomenal. They were singing great, just powerful worship songs. But he said, there was this low buzz in the sanctuary. He said, he looked around, people were turned talking to each other. Folks had their back to the platform, talking. People getting up, milling around like, like they were at some kind of baseball game or something. And he said, this, no one was pay, basically, no one was paying attention to what was going on in the front. And he said, in his spirit, he said, man, this just isn't right. He said, no wonder it just feels like Ichabod. The spirit of the Lord has departed. There's no And he leaned over to his interpreter, his Brazilian interpreter, and he says, is it always like this? He said, yeah, unfortunately it is. He said, we've tried to address it and uh, when it gets really bad, and it doesn't, nothing ever seems to help. And he said, he, John Bevere said, man, I was just grieved. And he said, before he walked up on stage, he said, the Lord spoke to him about the fear of the Lord. He said, that's what's lacking in this place. No one fears the Lord. Church is a little club. This conference is a little hoorah time. He said, the Lord gave him this verse, Leviticus 10.3. Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who want to draw near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. By those who come near me, I must be regarded. Let me say it in this translation. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. He, he, the Lord was reinforcing, if we're going to draw near to God, we, we have to understand who he is. We have to regard him as holy. We have to fear him. He got up on the platform and he said, how... And he, didn't, he, they, he said, don't introduce me. Don't do anything. He walked up there, the low home, everybody's talking. And he began talking. He said, how many would you like it if, if you were being introduced to me and I was just looking at my phone and looking away the whole time? 
Or imagine if you had a friend, you went to their house, you knocked on their door, and they opened and said, oh, it's you again. He said, you wouldn't like that, would you? He said, suddenly begin to get quiet. And he shared this verse. If you're going to draw near the Lord, you've got to understand he is holy. He is holy. And if we come in carelessly, see, that's, that's why the old folks, right, growing up, like, don't, they told your kids, don't run in the sanctuary, don't go on the platform. Why? Because, uh, and I'm not saying that, that that's completely the way we have to do everything, but there was that sense that, you know, where we gather, where the presence of the Lord gathers, we need to keep that sacred, right? That's why we don't play bingo in the house of God. We don't do stupid stuff like that. Why? Because we try to be honoring of the presence of God. I, I, know, I know we honor him in our body, and I know that's the main way that we honor him in our lifestyle, but there's still something about the presence of the Lord in the sanctuary, and that's why we don't do some things in here. People say, well, why don't you just do that? And they say, mm, because that's, that's kind of a special place. So listen to this. He preached for an hour and a half to those people. <laughs> he said, you could hear a pin drop. Because this wasn't just his words, like the Holy Spirit got on this. Because you, you're not going to change a crowd of 4,000 like that without the Holy Ghost. You're not going to change a crowd of 40 without that, like that without the Holy Ghost. Hour and a half, pin drop. He called for repentance at the end, and he said some people just begin to weep and break. This was 1997, by the way, if that cues you into the time period in the church begin to weep. He said it kind of grew and then it kind of ebbed and he said people were still just kind of, and the Lord said another wave is coming, get ready. And he spoke that and he said, listen, he said, we have to break through here tonight. The Lord is, is, is wanting to really come in in power. And he said, when he said something along those lines, he said like the whole place, I guess people like flooded the altar and people just start just breaking loose, like weeping before the Lord, repenting. He said in that moment, he heard what he thought was a jet plane fly over the top of their building. He said it was like a wind. Like <laughs> he said it lasted two minutes, though, and, and people were just like, just God was just touching people in a powerful fashion. He said, as, it was funny because I've been in this spot before. While he was preaching, he was trying to calculate in his mind what he was hearing and what was going on. <laughs> What was that? He's like, oh, wait, we're not close to the airport. How could that be? He said afterwards when they were heading back to the hotel, and he, he said they're like, everybody, they wanted to go out and eat with them, and he said, I just, I, I, that night I went back. He said I, after God shows, you know, shows up that way, it's like I don't want to go to anywhere. But he said he asked them, did you guys hear that sound? He said that was an airplane, right? And they said no. And the man in the car with him was the sound man. And he goes, and it didn't come through the speakers either. In fact, he said, I talked to security. They said what happened inside because they said it was nothing outside. That sound of the wind was the sound of the Holy Spirit. As people, watch this, began to fear the Lord. Began to stop looking at church as a country club. Stop looking at church as something I'm just going to fill my time and keep checking my watch and looking at my phone until it's time to get out. They honored the Lord. And as they repented, the power of God came down. So I want to tell you something, my friends. There's something extremely powerful 
when we fear the Lord over anything else, over our family, over being late for dinner, over being whatever it is, there is great power when we fear the Lord. And the Bible tells us that's what faith, faith, real faith means I fear the Lord over any other adherence I have. In our text, notice verse 24, Moses made a choice. He could have chosen the easy path of being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Right? If you've ever seen the uh, Out of Egypt cartoon from years ago, it's a really well done, really awesome movie. But it, I, I think it plays up the part where, you know, Moses being the young prince maybe a little bit too much. But, but the reality is the Bible tells us that Moses, instead of being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he refused that. And instead... He chose a hard path. This is verse 24, and this is what I want you to see here this morning. Faith often chooses the unpopular, misunderstood path, right? It goes real good with the last point. Why does faith choose the unpopular, misunderstood path? Because following God is always going to take you in a different direction than the world. We cannot ever afford to forget, my friends, that we are pilgrims, we're aliens, strangers, that's what the scripture calls us, it is who we are, and in a very real sense, we are just passing through on this planet. We can't let our feet settle in too deep, we can't become too comfortable in our settings, because God has put us here, and he's redeemed us, and he's given us a mission to connect as many people as we can to him before our time is up on this planet. The path of ease and shortcuts are often diametrically opposed to God's path anyway, right? And if you just want to ponder this for a second, if you're in business or you 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 work, you know own a business or you you all and every no matter what your job you'll relate to this. There are always pathways and shortcuts that we could choose every day instead of God's way. Because there's a myriad of ways to be dishonest in business, to be dishonest at work, to cheat, to cut corners here and there. And these are all well-worn paths that, that we, uh, that many may take. But then there is God's way. There's God's way. And it's a path that's not popular. It's a path of people, why are you doing that? No one's going to even know. No one's going to see. No one will ever see what you're doing there. It's okay. Everybody does it that way. It's all right. But you answer. I answer to a higher authority. We answer to a higher power. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. When Julie and Maggie and I were flying back, back in June from Mexico, we were in the airport and we had a a little unfortunate mishap with our airline and and we we were waiting and and we were waiting with a group of other passengers and and I, maybe it was on the way I can't remember we were coming or going it was on the way there right we got stuck in Columbus which you know not yeah, I don't know if you've been stuck in Columbus there's worse places to be stuck but we were in Columbus and we got with a group of other passengers who got bumped off the plane we were waiting for I don't know hours and hours got to be, you know, a little friendly with the people around us. And so we we figured out that we may need to contact, you know, our our, our travel agent or airline or whatever it was. And so uh, one of the men who we were talking to, he had this really expensive, nice set of golf clubs. And he said, hey, I'll, I'll go with you. He said, y- you, you look like, you and your family look like they can be trusted, which I'm like, well, I don't know about that. No. <laughs> 
But he had this really nice set of golf clubs and a really good, like, like the, his case to put the golf clubs in cost more than my luggage combined probably, right? Am I really nice? And he said, you guys look like you can be trusted. So he left all of his luggage with, with Julie. And we walked back. And I forget the exact details. I've, I've slept since then, so I don't remember all the details. Forgive me. But I do remember what he said. When he said that, I told him, I said, well, you can trust me, not because I look trustworthy, but you can trust me because I answer to a higher authority. And I told him that, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a pastor, I serve the Lord. And I said, I have to answer to him at the end of the day. So, yeah, your stuff's safe with us, but not because I look trustworthy. That, that could be sketchy, depending on who you are. You may look at me and I don't know if he's got you. But understand, my friends, when we serve God, we must take God's path. Moses had a chance to have a leg up on everyone else. He could have, he talking about the path of ease or a shortcut, but he refused. How? The Bible says he refused by faith. By faith, he refused the world's path in front of him, and he chose God's way. Remember, listen, to follow God, we are following the narrow path anyway. And the broad path, the Bible says, it leads to destruction, and that's where many people live. But by faith, we choose the narrow path that leads to life. See, at the end of the day, you want to know what it's like to serve Jesus. You're serving the narrow, difficult path. But it leads to life. Oh, that's, that's the powerful catch right there. Because the path of ease everyone else is on. The path of ease. Well, we'll do, everyone else is doing it this way. We'll just do that too. Uh, we'll just, yeah, that's acceptable. It's not really right. It's kind of a gray area. It's kind of... Eh. We've got to choose God's path. Real faith dictates that I choose the less popular path. The world, sometimes your own family, will absolutely not understand, much less what you do for God, but don't be dismayed. The things of God, again, cannot be understood by unregenerated minds. Here's a little truism I like to grab. Don't take life advice from people who aren't born again. I've known a lot of people who shipwrecked their lives without going into a lot of detail, but all different areas. It's like the people they were talking to, people they work with. Oh, are those people saved? No. Why would you take advice from someone who's not saved? Oh, that's right. It agrees with your flesh. <laughs> the natural person, here's the first I was referencing a moment ago. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Again, the right thing will often be the difficult thing. The right thing won't make sense with what you've seen before. The right thing often won't make sense with how you were raised. The right thing may not have been what was modeled in front of us growing up, but it doesn't matter. We have got to obey God. We cannot allow ourselves, are you hearing me this morning, to go to a default mode where we choose wrong things and make bad decisions that, that make all kinds of great sense to the unregenerated but to God it's a disaster because remember his path isn't going to make sense sometimes his path isn't going to be popular but we're not here to be popular we're not even here to make people like us I know that's that's a shocker you know you would think you listen to some preaching and you think it's all about making people like us I'm not really concerned about that I know that probably comes as a shock to all of you in here. 
I'm concerned about us being holy before the Lord. I'm concerned about us following him and totally surrender. That, that's what matters. That's what matters. Next in our passage, notice in verse 25 through 27, notice what else Moses chose. I love this. Faith embraces our worst day in Christ as greater than our best day in the world. Isn't that awesome? No, no matter how many terrible trials you have, no matter what it is you must walk through, we must never forget this key point, y'all. Listen, because listen, some of you walking through it right now, some of you been through it before, some of you yet to come, our worst day in Christ is better than our best day in the world. Hear me, you've got to believe that. Our worst day in Christ is still better than our best day in the world. I love the psalmist said in Psalm 48, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And then he went on to say the next part of this, I would rather stand at the entrance to the temple of my God than live in the tents of the wicked. You see, genuine faith has this way of measuring things differently, looking at things differently. The heart of this, again, lies in not just believing in God, but believing God. And that's always a great question. Do you believe in God or you do believe God? Big difference. Believing in God's wonderful, but that doesn't get you very far. You have to believe God. You have to believe his word. You have to believe what he says. Is my faith genuine? You see, this, this is a test. When it's tough, would I rather go back to Egypt where we had the illusion that life was easier? Would I rather go back to our old life where we were enslaved, by the way? Or do we have our eyes on a prize that others can't see? Are we measuring with a measuring device that others may not have, namely our faith? Because you see, if we're referencing Exodus, which we are this morning, the reality was the Israelites got into the desert. Remember what they said? Well, Moses, I mean... Weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you have to bring us out here to die? So I want you to know here this morning that God's math is never going to fit your calculator. <laughs> Just doesn't add up. Doesn't make sense. That's not what I've learned before. You went, welcome to the kingdom of God. It's upside down. Pray that he makes you upside right so you can understand it. And even then, you may not. You just trust it. See, you're going to believe what God says, or you're going to believe what your eyes tell you. Because did you catch what it said? Moses followed God like he could see the one who was invisible. See, when things get real tough, you don't have your bank account to fall back on. You don't have a relationship to fall back on. Things aren't like they were. Hey, are you still going to believe God like you can see him? See, that's how, you make, that's how you make the list in chapter 11. My world went to hell in a handbasket. Things got sideways. You use the term you want to use. But at the end of the day, I followed God like he's the only thing I could see. It's a little bit of Job, right? Even though he slay me, I'm going to serve him. See, we got, we got to have that. We got to have that inside our hearts, friends. We got to have that. 
We've been used to the Americanized comfort, the Americanized, we're going to make this easy. We'll just slide in and slide out, and it's going to be fine. (laughs) I don't know why I go to like a Texas accent when I do that. I don't know. Living in Oklahoma for 10 years, I I picked that up a little bit. It's going to be fine, brothers. On your worst day, uh, could you stand and say, I don't care how bad things get. I'm serving God to the end because I see him. I see him. I can just see it. I just see it. I know in whom I am believing, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed against that day. Look at all the stories in the Bible that back this up. God, all I have is this shepherd's staff. You want me to lead your people out of Egypt? All I have is a staff. It's just a stick. Got a little hook on the top. That's all you need, Moses. It's perfect. And just so you know, it's more than just a staff. Throw it down on the ground one time. (laughs) I don't know if you hate snakes like I hate snakes. That would have been tough to pick that baby back up. I think I would have needed the stick for the stick. (laughs) No, 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 you got to grab the snake and go back to the rod. Come on, but we only have an army of 300, God. We're facing thousands, and they really hate us. 300, God. God looked at that and said, hmm, perfect. That's just the number you need. God, I'm only a teenager, 17 years old. All I've ever done is be a shepherd. All I have is a slingshot. And now I have five smooth stones. That's all I got. And God said, perfect. That's all you're going to need. But Jesus, there's only five small loaves, three fish. And 20,000 people. How about that? And Jesus says, hmm. Wait, hmm. Sounds about right. Let's go with it. I love 27. Hebrews eleven twenty-seven. By mo- faith, Moses persevered as though he could see the one who is invisible. You know, I like to insert my name in Scripture sometime where it's appropriate. How about you? I don't know if you do that, th- uh, but I think this is good. Could this be said of us? Look at verse 27. I don't know if you've ever written your own name in your Bible other than on the front three or four pages, but the, I would strongly consider this right here, Hebrews eleven twenty-seven, where it said, by faith, Moses or he, write your name above that. By faith, Eric persevered as though he could see the one who was invisible. Hey, baby, I love you. I know, pa- I hear you. Papa loves you. All right. It's my grandbaby back there. By faith, Mary persevered like she could see the one who had called her. By faith, 
Raekwon persevered. Carla persevered as though they could see the one who's invisible. By faith, Dylan, he persevered as though he could see the one who's invisible. By faith, Megs persevered like she could see the one who's invisible. Put your name in there. That's the faith God wants you to have. And the word persevered implies it wasn't easy, but I walked through it. Remember, we weren't promised easy. We were promised trials, temptation, and hardships. If anyone ever said getting saved is going to be a piece of cake and it's easy, you got sold a bill of goods. Now, God empowers us. God enables us. But please understand, you are very much going to go against the flow in this world. Very much. And if you're not prepared for that, you will be blown away. Because this is a, this is a counterculture. Right? This is a counter. We're like, if you've ever seen The Chosen, we're like the little green fish that are swimming against the gray ones, right? That's very, that very, I love that intro of The Chosen. If you haven't seen The Chosen yet, download the app, cast it to your TV, watch it. It's free. It's powerful. It's on the life of Jesus right out of the Gospels. I want to tell you, that intro sets it up for me. I'm like, that's it. That is it. As I am going against the flow, I am touching lives, and they are being transformed, right? And they're turning into color, and they're going against the flow. Everyone's looking at you. never seen The Chosen before. Everybody with me? Okay, there you go. By faith. By faith. By faith. The last part here in our text, notice as the writer of Hebrew closes out Moses' part of the story here, notice that the Israelites went through the Red Sea by faith. You see that? Verse 28. I submit to you that when the Red Sea was parted, it looked scary. I think we have this idea that we, we think we're, we're walking through uh, the Newport Aquarium. And it's like, oh, isn't this wonderful? Right? <laughs> Look, it's all nice, tiled on the floor, and it's air-conditioned, and oh, we're looking at all these fish on either side. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? I can almost guarantee you that was not how it was. I guarantee you it looked frightening. Number one, because it was frightening. Number two, no one had ever seen that before. I don't know about you. I enjoy swimming, but I don't want 50 metric tons of water on top of me. And I'm being light on my estimate there. <laughs> when you see a sea part... And you, it, it, it's, it's got to be wide enough, right, at least a quarter of a mile, the Bible scholars say, to get everybody through there between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. or whatever the time slot was. It had to be wide enough. But please understand, th th this is not just a jump across the puddle. This is not like a walk across the street. This is a distance to the other side. And they said, if you want to live, you've got to go through that. You see, there's a real test right then. It's like, maybe we could just go back to Egypt. We'll go back to the bondage of pornography. That was just, li life was just easier, so we tell ourselves. I'll, I'll just go back to the bondage of, of cheating and lying, and I'll, I'll, go back to, I'll go back to that bondage. See, listen, faith will call to account the very steps right where you're at today. Faith will call to, it, it'll come any time. And if you aren't ready, my friend, you'll be, swell, you'll be swashed under. Faith will call to account, are you ready to walk forward? This doesn't make sense you got to press forward. 
The Bible says by faith. I tell you what, if your faith was wavering here, it may have looked like a trap, right? It's like, I don't know. Remember, this is the same group. Remember when Korah rebelled? You know, they, Moses, come on, you're trying to kill us. And, and maybe there's people in that, in that two million, three million that thought they were just going to be lured out to the middle and wiped out by faith. By faith. They had to walk through the Red Sea like it was dry ground. The Egyptian army in hot pursuit saw that what was happening, and they thought they'd follow after them, but they were crushed by the walls of water on either side. Right? Oh, there's a gap. We're going for it. But you see, they lacked one little thing that enabled the Israelites to do that. Right? Faith successfully walks through places that others aren't able to go. <laughs> Faith will walk you through those trying times that others will fold up under. How are you able to make it? How are you able to sustain? How are you taking this so well? By faith. I'm able to walk where other people aren't. By faith, I'm able to go through things and endure it and come out still serving God, still come out not having changed my theology. I didn't have to go back and amend what I believe because, well, after I, no, 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 I stayed strong. I want you to see that today, that faith, real faith, will enable you to walk through things and through places that others just can't go. The Egyptian army thought they could follow. They were wrong. <laughs> they were wrong. They weren't able to go. You see, that's how we are built in Christ, my friends. And that's how you get on this list in Hebrews 11. That's why your faith is needed. Here's the question. How will we lead today in this world without great faith? I've noticed the church has been mostly following the last few years. Isn't it time for the church to lead? Isn't that what Christ called us to do? Isn't that what Jesus called us to do? Not be beholden to anyone else, but to follow him and follow his lead. I, but I've noticed the church has been, it been kind of a bunch of followers. God wants us to lead. But here's the caveat. Don't try it unless you have great faith. Don't try. You can't pretend. <laughs> You'll get out in the middle of the Red Sea and it'll collapse on you. Right? How can I be sure? I've got to get intimate with Jesus like I've never been intimate with him before. I've got to move from believing on God to believing God. I've got to move just from believing in God to believing everything he says. Faith. By faith. Yeah, but I don't understand. I, I don't get it sometimes. That, that's fine. Believe it anyway. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not, that's fine. Believe it anyway, though. I'm shocked with how many people call themselves believers, but really they're feelers. Well, I don't feel that's right. Well, uh, Bible says walk by faith, not by sight. Remember, God's, ma God's math doesn't fit your calculator. It never will. If you try to make it fit your calculator, you're going to be disappointed. Right? It'd be like one of those little seventh grade games where you type in a bunch of numbers and turn it upside down. Oh, look at the word. Oh. 
<laughs> it doesn't make sense. Oh. We walk by faith, not by sight. I believe in this hour, in this day we live in, God wants us to lead, and I could, I could stand up in any age and any time and say that because I believe that's God's intent for the church. God wants us to be leaders. But listen, we have to not be people with a book. We have to be people with a relationship. We have to be people with intimacy with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? We don't, we, we, we're not just bringing a set of rules with us, right? That's wonderful. But listen, we have to have a relationship that will drive us to go places where others can't go, to do things and say things that others can't say and to see the power of God come down and introduce this country to the power of Jesus Christ. Rather worrying about why we don't have it with all the all the blabbering we could do let's get back to getting it. Let's get back to praying. Let's get back to fasting. Let's get back to consecrating ourselves, right? It's time to go through our entertainment. Let's clean things out. Let's stop watching things. People say, well, are you trying to be legal? Not at all, man. I'm just saying there's a level of consecration. If you want to walk in the power of God, you know, and you could say, well, we could watch this. Yeah, you, you can't go ahead and watch it, but I'm not. You go ahead and do that, but I'm not going to. Because you see, I'm seeing what's on the other side of this. I'm seeing the other side. I'm seeing the souls. I'm seeing the revival on the other side. I'm seeing what's available when we consecrate ourselves to the Lord and when we come to Him in faith believing what can happen when a man or a woman is completely sold out to God. Woo! I want to close with this here in James. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's why faith is important. Got to shed all the doubt, shed all the reasons, shed all a man's reasoning, shed what you've been told, shed how you were raised in some cases. Come on. And we say, Lord, we're going all in with you. We're going all in with you. I think we've seen it modeled enough in our short time here on this planet that we know more is available if we will go all in with faith in Jesus Christ. We know what's available. You know what's available. And if, if you don't, you haven't been paying attention because there's more available. There's more of God available, I want to tell you. But he's looking for a people of faith. I'll go all in with him. Lord Jesus, we bless you. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, our prayer needs to be today what the disciples prayed in Luke 17, 5. It's a real simple prayer, right? Maybe you've prayed it with me before. It's this. This is it. Lord, increase my faith. <laughs> Lord, increase my faith. If that is your prayer with me today, I'm going to ask you to stand and come to this altar. Let's ask God this morning to increase our faith as a body this morning. Come on. Lord, increase 
our faith. Increase it, God, from wherever I'm at to wherever I need to be. Lord, I'm on this journey, and I'm not giving up. I'm not cashing in. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping early. But God, I understand that there's a cost, Lord. I understand there's a price to serving you. There's a cost, God, that that calls me to walk in a level of discipleship that many other people don't want to. And God, that they can choose that if they want to, but I'm not. God, I want to grow. I want to grow in my faith right now. And I ask God, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Increase my faith in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's just cry out to him wherever you're at. Come on. God, increase it. Increase it, God. Just like the disciples prayed. God, increase my faith. Increase my faith, Lord. Increase my faith, Lord. Come on, ask the Lord to baptize you in His fire afresh right now. God, give us more. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, awaken our soul for the more. Awaken our soul right now, God, for the more. In the name of Jesus, awaken our soul for the more right now. God, there's more on the other side. Lord Jesus, I pray you would cause a hunger to arise in our hearts, Lord. I I pray, God, that, that faith would arise inside of us right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, my friends, all you have to do is surrender yourself to him. It just sounds like I say, all I have to do. I know it's a lot, but if you want salvation, you have to surrender your life to Jesus. You have to confess your sin to him, and you have to allow him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. You have to go all in with him. So I'm just saying this right now. If you're in this place today, and you say, you know what? I'm really not all in with Jesus. I'm really not there yet, but today I, I just feel like I, I want to I take this step of faith right now, and I want I want to go all in with Jesus and I want to surrender my life to him. I want to be in right relationship with God and God sent his son Jesus. He was God's answer to this planet. When this planet was broken down and lost in sin, Jesus provided the way back to the Father. He provided a way of forgiveness. He provided a way of healing. He provided a way of hope. The Bible says there is no other salvation on this planet other than the man Christ Jesus. It is Jesus Christ, my friend, is our only hope and salvation on this globe. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, if he is calling you, if you feel stirred in your heart, take that step of faith right now. Take that step of faith and surrender fully to him. Surrender fully to him. Jesus, I want to give you my life. Jesus, wash away my sins. Jesus, cleanse me from head to toe right now. In your powerful name, in your powerful name we pray. In your powerful name we pray. Jesus, Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Lord, for every disciple in here, for every brother and sister in Christ, Lord, I pray, increase their faith right now. With our hands raised and our hearts open, God, increase our faith. Increase our faith, God, daily, that we may live to please you, that we walk in a way that is pleasing to you. God, when no one else is looking, we're going to choose your path, God. When it's easy to go the wrong path and no one is seeing it, God, I'm going to go the right path. I'm going to choose the right way. And that goes for my thinking as well. That goes for my thought life as well. When no one knows... I'm going to choose right. When no one sees, I'm going to choose what Jesus would have me choose. I'm going to choose the path that is that is least popular and often misunderstood. But Jesus, I am going your way. And I'm just declaring that right now in your name. Friend, as you declare that to the Lord right now, I believe he's just going to empower you to do just that. And Jesus, that's a powerful declaration. God, I'm going to go your way, even when it's not popular, even if no one else does, even if no one else sees, even when no one else sees. God, I'm going in. You're all in with you right now. I'm going your way. I'm going to walk on this narrow path. I'm going to follow you completely in the name of Jesus Christ. Let this Holy Spirit flow into you right now. Come on, let the prayer language flow out of you right now in the name of Jesus as the Holy Spirit provides the words. Come on, you're doing Jude 20 right now. You're empowering, you're strengthening yourself right now by praying in the Spirit. That's why Jesus gave the Holy Spirit so we could walk in faith because it's going to be tough without Him. It's going to be almost impossible without the Holy Spirit. Come on, we need Him. Why else would Jesus stand up in the midst of a crowded temple during the biggest day of the feast where the Bible said people were seeking to kill him? He stood up in the middle of people seeking to kill him, and he said, I am the living water. Anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Come on. How important was that message that Jesus would stand in front of people that were trying to kill him for saying what he was saying? And he said, that's how important the Holy Spirit is, friends. Don't let anyone sell you a bill of goods. We need more of the Holy Ghost. Come on. We need more. Just drink in of the Holy Spirit right now. Just drink in of the Holy Spirit. I can get my elders and deacons and their wives if you want. Just just move through, move through this this awesome group of people. Just seeking Lord. Just just touch their forehead. Just to come in agreement with them. Just come into agreement. There's somebody going to come by. We're just going to lay a hand on. We're just coming to an agreement with you. We're just coming into agreement with you right now. This is how we're just going to kind of seal this part right now. We're just going to come into agreement with you in the name of Jesus. 
We come into agreement with you right now. We come into agreement with you right now, God. Lord Jesus, we're going to be people of great faith. Come on. We're going to be people of great faith. We're going to be people. We're going to be people that persevere like we can see God in the face. Like we can see him ourselves. We can see the invisible. We're going to persevere like people that can see the invisible. Just like it said about Moses. Moses persevered because it was almost like he could see the invisible God. So that's, let that be said of us. Hebrews 11:27, right? We're going to write our name in that verse. By faith, I'm going to persevere like I can see what's invisible. By faith, I'm going to persevere like I can see what others can't see. By the Spirit of God. Come on. Jesus, we surrender. Jesus, we praise you, Lord. Jesus, we bless you. That's why our missionaries gladly risk their lives in some cases. That's why our brothers and sisters in Nigeria are being persecuted rather harshly, but they're not giving up their faith. Brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, as we, as we meet this morning, Come on. Being persecuted, being taken out of their homes, raped, shot. Don't believe the news. Believe the, believe the people that have missionaries on the ground. Believe the, believe the people right now that have the, the people embedded over there. Listen to what they're saying. Oh, so no, no, no one's got control of Jack over there. Don't, 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 don't believe that we were in control. We're not. We're not. Innocent people are being murdered as we speak for their faith in Christ. Lord, we just lift up our brothers and sisters right now in Afghanistan and in Nigeria and every other country right now. God, I pray right now for their strengthening in the name of Jesus Christ. Like the Iranian pastor that Al-Qaeda was getting ready to hang on the gallows and they tried to get him to renounce his faith. And he said, I'll kiss the rope that hangs my neck before I ever renounce Jesus. Come on. God, give us that. Give us whatever that man had. He's in heaven now. God, give us that kind of faith. Give us that kind of perseverance. You, you could, I'll kiss this rope that's around my neck before I ever, before I ever sell out Jesus. Increase us, Lord. Now just pray this one final thing. God, God, increase my capacity for more of you. Increase my capacity for the more. God, we pray for more, but sometimes we don't pray that you increase our capacity. So Lord Jesus, maybe maybe I have a cup. God, make it bigger. God, I have a plate. God, God, make it bigger. Make, make, make the hunger greater, Father God. Just like Thanksgiving dinner, I don't want a snack leading up to the meal because I can't eat 
everything I wanted to eat. So God, I pray increase my capacity for you in the spiritual sense, God, that I could just, I could just take more. I could just take more, God. Increase my capacity. Broaden my mind. Broaden my thinking, God. Broaden my faith in the name of Jesus. That's why the unregenerated mind can't understand the things of God because they have no capacity for it. That capacity is, is a miraculous thing that Jesus does. Jesus, increase our capacity. Maybe some pray, God, give me that capacity. Lord, I'm on the outside looking in on this, this thing with Jesus. And Lord, I, I, God, open their hearts right now in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for the atheists right now. You'd soften their heart, Lord. Lord, I speak healing over this body this morning. Lord, we've had a couple of heavy-duty sessions praying for people that were sick and need healing. God, I pray right now miracles begin to manifest from that prayer in the name of Jesus. The miracles begin to manifest from that healing prayer, God, that we've been offering, that we've been going after. God, bodies restored, minds restored, hearts restored, lives restored in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Real quick, Pastor mentioned um, praying for the persecuted church and something uh, my wife actually was reading yesterday and shared with me and I thought is pertinent. It comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul says, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. That's where the church in Afghanistan is. They, they've got a death sentence hanging over them. What they're being faced with is beyond what we can in our own strength endure. But here's what he says. He says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that we that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Prayers aren't nice thoughts or positive vibes that we send out into the universe to make someone feel better that someone's thinking about him. It, Paul survived the trials he had in Asia because people were praying. He says he has delivered us and he will deliver us again because you are praying. It says many then will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted, uh, granted us in answer to the prayer of many. I want to just spend another moment praying in that specific area because two things. One, we have to. We got to pray like it's our neck that's on the line. And then also, he talks about how many will give thanks because God answered prayer. 
He answered the prayer of so many that, that our faith will be built as we start seeing, hearing miracles coming out of Afghanistan, and God will receive glory. Everyone's blessed. We're blessed because we saw God answer our prayer. God's blessed because he receives more praise and glory and, and worship and thankfulness. And the big one, that's probably the big one, is God getting glory. But our prayers save lives. So let's just pray again specifically for the nation of Afghanistan that has received a death sentence. God, I thank you that the prayer offered in faith, that's what we've been talking about this whole time, the prayer offered in faith is effective. It gets things done. It works. God, we're not sitting here, Lord, having a pity party for our brothers and sisters so that they can know that we feel bad for them. That's not what we're here to do. We're not here to just mourn. We're not here to throw away a pity party. We're not here to feel sorry or send our positive thoughts over to them. We call on the God Almighty. We call on the Lord God Almighty, the Lord Mighty in battle to fight for His children. We call on the One whose arm is not short to go forth and to save. We call on divine protection. We call on the Lord God that is the strong tower that the righteous in Afghanistan will run into it and they will be saved from all harm. We call out that not just their lives, but their property, their, their, their children, their livelihoods will be protected. They will be guarded supernaturally. And we call on this knowing that God, you will and you can make it happen. That lives will be saved because you hear the voice of your children crying out. God, I pray that bullets would jam in the rifles of guns. I pray that fires would be put out supernaturally. I pray that artillery rounds that they got from NATO would, would be duds. God, I pray, Lord, that you would freeze the, the Taliban abusers in their place. God, I pray that you would... God, would you, would you strike fear into them in the name of Jesus? God, would you work in such a way, Lord, that it would go the other way, that the Taliban would be afraid and terrified to enter the home of a Christian because of what might happen to them if they go into that home. God, I pray that the Taliban would run from the Christians and wouldn't want to step through the threshold of their door because they're afraid that they'll die if they do it. Lord, I, I pray just how you worked it in Esther. God, that the Christians, Lord, would, God, that they would plunder the enemy. Lord, not that they need riches and gold and everything, but in the same way, God, that you worked, God, in the book of Esther, where, where the people who belonged to you were about to be eradicated, and then they got to be the ones on the offensive. God, I, I thank you that it doesn't work that way anymore where they need to go out and just loot people. God, but I pray that they would be blessed and, and God, you'd work that same kind of miracle there. Do it, God. Do it, God. Hallelujah.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.